you know, I mean, you know, I have to follow the leads where I go. You know, Bill, like it, I got to be fair to the process and I don't, you know, want to, you know, ever even speculate when you're I mean, you go on national TV program, you know, Bill, to say there is a cell phone and uh-huh. you, you know, you're you talk about the triangular pinging of the cell phone and you, you know, you had mentioned, I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, but you had mentioned seeing the phone there at the house when you went there on Sunday. And yeah, I mean, that's that's what I remember anyway. Yeah. Okay. I don't recall that, to be honest. But, but like I said, it's been 10 years, and that could be James. She's a rolling like a pagan Searching places that I've never gone Destroy bones, endless bones, but ain't no rock to stop me from getting through. If you waited near the autumn marshes, saying I'd whisper to you, if your feet. Hey guys, in my last episode, I ended the show sharing a voicemail I had received from private investigator Fred Doughty. I reached out to Fred because, as I've shared with you before, Thurston County won't share this information since it's considered an open case still. So I had asked Fred if he had the original transcript between Detective Haller and Bill Moyer when he had interviewed him when Nancy went missing. And ever since the cell phone has become an issue, whether Thurston County doesn't have it, if Bill said that there was a cell phone, the family says that there's a cell phone, I was very, very intrigued to hear what was actually said between Detective Haller and Bill Moyer when this interview took place. So we're going to pick up where we left off in the last episode. I'm going to play the voicemail for you and give you more of Bill's response. James Fred. Hey, looking at uh, the file, I do have uh, Howler's original interview with uh, Bill. And um, back in March 2009, and uh, he did ask him about the phone. Um, he said that when he went in with the kids, uh, she wasn't there, um, you know, the rest. Uh, but he did go in with the kids, watch TV for a little bit, thought, what the heck, went back home then tried calling her, um, and so right there he said he tried calling her from his house. Bill went home and tried calling Nancy from his house, so I'm curious. It sounds like maybe she had a landline, uh, because shortly after, um, oops, I've got to answer the phone here real quick, but anyway, shortly after he said was asked, did she have a, f- a cell phone? He goes, no, she did not. Um, but later on, when we interviewed her, he said the same thing. She did have, she had a phone, but uh, he quit paying on it. So at some point, uh, she did have a cell phone. All right, I got to answer another call. I uh, hope to talk to you soon. 
Okay, so I mean, try to try to explain that to me when when Haller asks you, did she have a cell phone, and you say no, she doesn't. Explain that. I don't remember the conversation, James. I can't explain it if I don't. I may have said that. It may have been she didn't have money at that point in time. I don't recall that. Did you guys talk on the cell phone? Well, I, I know we talked up to a point. I, I, I don't recall at that point if we were just using the landline or if we were talking on a cell phone. I don't know. I know you haven't listened to the podcast, you know, but, but Bill, I've been your biggest advocate from day one about, hey, Detective Haller said it, Ben Elkin said it, I'm going to say it. Bill had nothing to do with this. And, you know, you, you passed the polygraph, you had alibis, your kids were with you. But I'm not doing my part for Nancy if I'm not asking the questions that I don't really want to ask. This is this is for Nancy. You know, it's trying to figure out what happened. And, you know, it's... I'm not being honest to my process and that's asking difficult questions to lots of individuals who probably had nothing, you know, a lot of them had nothing to do with this, but unless I'm flipping over every stone, then I'm not doing my job. So when, when you had mentioned the triangular pinging of the cell phone, did you hear that from Haller or from Hamilton? Do you recall that? Yeah, that was from Haller and he had said if she had the cell phone on her, that he could ping it. But since it was there, he could, it was no use. Correct. And you're 100% sure. I mean, I mean, you're, you vividly, yeah, it was 10 years ago, but I mean, you, you, certain things you, you don't forget because you, it was such a, an emotional, you know, timestamp when you go through these things. But you remember going to her house Sunday and it being the cell phone being there and seeing it there. I, I think it was, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, Bill, I know these questions aren't, or, you know, I know at times they could probably piss you off. So I want you to understand that, that, you know, if I get this information back that you're telling me that there was a cell phone, so was Mandy, so was Sam, so was, you know, the people closest to her. And then I heard in the report that she, that you had said that she didn't have one. And that was something Sharon, and Sharon had said too. And, you know, that's a strong piece of evidence you know and, and that's where I'm kind of like I don't that's where I don't understand so I'm coming to you for the answers yeah I get that you know I mean I think even thinking the voicemail Fred Fred said that you had said you had stopped paying the bill for her cell phone I assume oh I don't think I ever paid her cell bill I, I think she was paying her own but you yeah, we, we were not on the uh, I don't believe we were on the same plan at that point but you definitely had a cell phone yourself. Yes. Do you do you know if they actually even looked at your cell phone, like call history and all that stuff? Yeah, I think they did. Did they? Not positive, but I believe so. Okay, so Bill's saying now that he doesn't remember. So what are my initial thoughts? What the heck's going on? There are so many conflicting memories and testimonies that even when Bill speaks with such confidence on the disappearance episode on IDTV, he said she always had her cell phone on her. And he also doubles down with me during our first interview that he believed that Nancy did have a cell phone. And in fact, it's in Thurston County's possession, bagged in evidence. 
I mean, he was so confident that he even asked me if Thurston County went back to check in the evidence to see if the cell phone was there. And that's not even the most challenging part about this. It's everyone's testimony. Friends, family, co-workers. No one has ever indicated that Nancy had a cell phone or that they communicated with her on it. So, allow me to summarize what I mean about this. Yeah, no, she has a flip phone that she used. I mean, it might have been out of minutes at the time, but she definitely had a cell phone. I don't know of her still having a cell phone. Um, I never saw her with a cell phone the last year, year and a half. She was in her own place. I didn't have a number for a cell phone. I called her and she called me on the landline. Always. I never saw her have it out anywhere. Uh, You know, opened a discussion about the cell phone, which we, until we read or listened to the episode, we didn't realize it was such, you know, a, a big deal. And, you know, we, you know, have information to remember Nancy having a cell phone. Yeah. And so, you know, we just wanted to kind of, you know, back Will up on that, that he's right. I mean, she absolutely had a cell phone. And Brian and I recall that she had her cell phone there because it was like an appendage. Like, she was really, really into it. <laughs> like, I, I don't recall a time when I'd seen her so distracted by anything. Everybody re- was like, wow, she's really on that phone. <laughs> she, she only gave us her landline phone number, even though we saw her with a cell phone. And I told you last time I had talked to Sam Moyer, and yep. she was saying how there was definitely a cell phone that she remembers and her sister remembers. And Bill Moyer went on TV, and we talked about that before, how on TV that he remembers her cell phone, how she always had her cell phone on her. Okay. And then Sharon Wilbur, uh, she said, when I asked her, I said, hey, do you remember if Nancy had a cell phone? She goes, no, I, she, I, she didn't have a cell phone. Right. And when I talked to Bill about it, I said, hey, if you say that the cell phone was there on Sunday, you didn't take it, did you? No, not at all. And I said, well, from what I know, that the cell phone is not in possession of Thurston Counties. If it existed, we never found it. So, and none of the family members indicated there was a cell phone nor a cell phone number. Because if they had a cell phone number, they could have got a warrant for that carrier. And they could have got they could have got the data from the phone, even though the phone would have been missing if it if it existed. If they had a phone number, they could have checked and got the carrier. Yeah. And then if there was any data, they could have got it through the cell phone carrier. So in the evidence, but, what you what they bagged in the evidence, you've already gone through, and there's no cell phone. There's no cell phone, correct? So I don't. Again, I don't know where he's coming from regarding her having a cell phone because. She never, never, even during my interview, as well as Howler's, who was the lead investigator, she never mentioned a cell phone being in possession of Nancy or her having one or anything like that. So that, that's all, it's weird that that's all coming up now. Like I said, when he said that on camera, that was surprising to me because from my investigation, there was never a cell phone nor cell phone number identified. It's clear Nancy owned a cell phone. Why Bill said she didn't 
when interviewed by Detective Haller, and again, denied the cell phone when interviewed by Detective Elkins? I don't know. But I guess in all of this confusion, I will say it's fair to say, given everyone's testimony, Bill thinking she did or didn't have a cell phone, it's almost understandable. What do you say when everyone's testimony is conflicting with each other's? So allow me to share and be clear with my thoughts and share how I feel. I've had to process this for quite a while. Yes, Bill, saying she didn't have a cell phone at the time of her disappearance, then years later, he strongly believes she did and even says on multiple occasions to national TV programs and even my show that she did have a cell phone, it doesn't look good. I can't defend that. And it's black and white. Bill's testimony has changed. But he's also telling part of the truth in what can be possibly just a memory lapse on Bill's part. The family's testimonies all confirm that she did in fact have a cell phone. So Bill's technically telling the truth, right? Still, the strange thing is that Bill is so confident that she had a cell phone at the time of her disappearance and even says he remembers it next to her purse when he stopped by to drop off the girls Sunday evening, March 8th. Now I imagine there are going to be some of you who may feel like, how can he forget that? So I wanted to try an experiment out that I challenge you to also take. Here's how it worked. I reached out to some friends of mine to ask them if they could recall a significant event or some sort of catastrophic event that took place that they could recall. I wanted it to be at least six years or older. I wanted to ask them questions about what they remember about the event. So what you'll hear is one person's answer to the question followed by their spouses, but again, they're not sitting next to each other giving their honest answers of what they remember. Here's how it went. Time, your dad passed away. Um, the first person I'm going to introduce you to is a gentleman by the name of Jordan and his wife, Liz. Jordan was willing to talk about the time that his dad had passed away and what he remembers. I'm going to read you the question so it's easier that way. So the scene is Jordan's dad had collapsed at home one night and had a heart attack. That's when they had rushed him to the hospital. I asked him what time this occurred. Um, it was about nine o'clock. A.M. or P.M.? P.M. And I remember that night he came home and he played basketball with his buddies. And I don't remember how long after it would have been like 11 or 12 at night. Who was there at the house when dad had collapsed? Uh, my mom and my grandma were there. Jordan and his mom, Gail, and his grandma, Olive. Who called the ambulance? Yeah, um, I was telling my mom too. I believe it was Jordan's mom. So Jordan, when you had contacted Liz, do you remember what you had told her about what was happening with dad? <clears throat> Honestly, I, I don't think I have a clue what I told her. Um, man, that is a long time ago. I don't remember exactly what he told me except for that his dad like had a heart attack or something happened and he had to give him CPR. Which hospital did you guys go to? Uh, to Cadillac. He was at Cadillac Hospital. What kind of car did Jordan drive? Then I had a... Blue 92 Grand Am, four-door Grand Am. It would have been the 2004 Jeep Cherokee. What kind of car did Liz have? She had a little red Sentra that she would come back and forth with. I don't remember. Maybe we did. I can't remember what I drove down in or anything. I, I'm pretty sure that I still had my red Nissan. So you were at the hospital for a week with Dad. So do you remember the doctor's name? I couldn't tell you. No. What about what he looked like or his physical features? Um, dude, I couldn't tell you any of that. Mm -mm. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to pick him out. If 
So the day of the funeral, do you remember what you were wearing, Jordan? I remember I wore like kind of a brown uh, slacks and like a brown sport coat and stuff. But then I like never wore that again. So I just put it away. I saved it for ever, but I'm like, I'm never going to wear this again. He, it was this brown vest blazer. And so he just had on an undershirt. But I, I know he had on this because I've actually seen it several times and we actually just got rid of it. He's like, I don't need to hold on to that anymore. But I remember now seeing him in that. Yeah. What church was the funeral service at? Oh, we were at First Baptist. I know it was at First Baptist Church, the church that his parents went to. At the funeral service, do you remember who spoke? I don't know. It sounds bad that I don't remember anything about it, but I, I like, I think I just tried. It was like pretty traumatic, and so sure. I think I just my mind just blocked it yeah. out. So I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I'm sure I, I think I did, but I couldn't say for sure. You I don't know if I did or not. Yeah. I don't know if their pastor, Jim Malu, if he was the one who spoke or not. I mean, he was the pastor. But, I mean, I remember, um, actually, I don't even remember who got up and spoke. I did don't Jordan? remember. No, I think we sat. No, he did not. So, did Liz have a cell phone at that time? And do you remember her number? She had a, yeah, I think she had a, uh, she had one of those cricket phones, I think. I don't think it's changed either. Honestly, really? I'm pretty sure it's the same. I'm almost 100% sure that it's the same. Same. It's, it's the never same changed. Uh -uh. Who is the cell phone carrier that you have? Oh, come on. I, um, we've switched so many times throughout the years. I don't remember who it was. What was Jordan's cell phone number? Um, yeah, it's still the same number I have now. I think at that time it was AT&T. Do you remember what kind of phone it was? I think it was one of those Sony Ericsson kind of blue, yeah. not a flip, but kind of, but kind of the chunkier little ones. I think, uh, <laughs> um, like a Samsung or maybe back then it was like Nokia or something. If you can describe it, what did it look like? Small, compact. It wasn't a flip or anything. It was okay. just like a solid little tiny Small thing. Small guy? Yeah. Okay. So you have some inconsistencies there between Jordan and Liz. We're gonna do another round of this with some other friends that I have who are willing to talk. So the situation is, Josh and Jessica are heading down to Arizona because due to a court order, they need to fly down so that Jessica's ex can get visitation with their child. And the relationship between Jessica and her ex was not the greatest. The ex didn't return the child like he was supposed to, and I'll let them kind of share what they experienced during this trip. So what time of the year did you guys take this trip down to Arizona? Uh, it was during spring baseball, so it was like April or May. I know it was spring training for baseball, and it was, if I was to say, beginning of March. What time did the ex come pick up the child? Early morning to, yeah. I'm going to say we landed probably in between like noon and 2 o'clock. Now, because of the circumstances of the situation and kind of him abruptly just taking your child, I imagine that you remember what your child was wearing. I do remember what she was wearing. What was she wearing? She had on a little sweatsuit jogger matching set, and she had her little backpack, and she had, I specifically remember because she had heart-shaped sunglasses because then the girlfriend walked up wearing heart-shaped sunglasses. I, I don't remember everything she was wearing. There's one thing in particular I remember. And it was, it was kind of a weird, funny thing, was she wore these red sunglasses at the time, um, and they were heart-shaped. And it was really weird because his girlfriend came wearing 
the exact same classes. So during this trip, was it overnight visitation? It was like a scheduled thing. So like first day was a couple hours. Then the next day was from this time to this time. And then the next day it was like an overnight visit. I think it was like a gradual progression. I know she did not stay the night every, like say it was a Monday Hmm. and we were picking her up a Friday. It wasn't like dropped her off Monday, picked her up Friday. That's not how it went. It was like, okay, Monday from 9 a.m. to, I'm just making up times, 3 p.m. Then the next day, it was a little bit longer. Then one of them was, I believe, an overnight. It would have been near the end because it was a gradual progression. I don't remember there being any nights where she stayed stayed the night. From what I remember, I don't remember any overnights. It was like a day. It was a few hours the first day, and then it was like most of the day, the second day. So I don't, I don't remember any overnights. So if he was supposed to return your child, let's say 5 p.m., how long was it until he actually returned your child? Was it an hour, half hour? Oh, I'm going to say more than an hour. Okay. And we were in texting more the entire time. Okay, so over an hour, Diego's more than two hours. It could have been. Three? Uh, I feel like it, if it was three, I would have been calling the police, and I know I didn't call the police. I remember it being a couple hours. I'm, you know, like at first, you know, we're waiting there and nothing, trying to get a hold of him, no, no calls. Um, and from what I remember, it being a couple hours, an hour to two hours. I'd say probably closer to two hours than. So when he brings your child back to the hotel, can you tell me how the exchange went? I didn't do the exchange. <laughs> so my husband went and did the exchange and said to take her and just go back to the room. We met him down right at the like elevator and I just walked away. There was no, I didn't have any words. And so when he dropped her off, the plan was for me to, to grab her, grab my daughter and, you know, give her to my wife and have her hop on, on the elevator and go to our floor. What kind of phone did you have? I think I had just gotten an iPhone. What was your number? Three one zero nine four eight three five five four. Is that the same one? Nope. I don't remember the exact type of phone that she had. She always made fun of my iPhone. If I had to guess, I remember she had a BlackBerry. Do you remember but, her cell phone number? Yeah. Um, it's changed since then, but she had a a California number. Do you remember the number and phone that Josh had? He had the same phone number that he has now. Yep, and he I know he had an iPhone because I made fun of iPhones. And I think I had just gotten one. Yeah, so I, I had a, uh, I had an iPhone. Like you know, I was saying, you know, she, she always made fun of mine. Since the first iPhone came out, that's I've always had iPhones. Do you remember your phone number? Same phone number as I have now. Mine's never changed. So there you have it. You just heard from people who have gone through their own tragic events in their own lives and have a hard time trying to recall the exact details or even the days that followed up afterwards. I feel it's fair to say that, yeah, Bill does deserve the grace of maybe he misspoke. I don't know. But this doesn't change the fact that Nancy did own a cell phone. Until this day, it's never been retrieved. Now, I know I've devoted a ton of time on this cell phone issue, specifically because it is such a key piece of evidence. But at this point, there's really nothing more I can do. I've spoken with family, friends, detectives. So in a way... I've shaken the tree as much as I could, so now I'm just hoping that there's some good that can come from this. So now I want to focus on an individual who I've really avoided from day one, 
only because I've heard a little bit more about his personal life and I didn't want to, I don't know, press him too hard. But this is about the individual who drove Nancy home. This is the last person who saw Nancy who knew her personally. This gentleman's name is Matthew. Now, if you recall, I referred to him as Mark in episode one. So here's the backstory on Matthew. Matthew is a married man, and he would carpool with Nancy every day of the week, which is what he had told Detective Haller. When Detective Haller asked Matthew if Nancy had ever shared with him her weekend habits, he stated she always spoke in some kind of code regarding her activity on the weekends. What I was told about Matthew is that his relationship with Nancy was portrayed almost like a brother-sister relationship. And obviously you could see it that way since you carpool every day of the week. It's about a 25-minute commute, so you're spending close to an hour for five days a week in a car. You're obviously going to get close with this person. So obviously this is someone that Nancy trusted. I also want to make things clear that Nancy was the one who picked up Matthew. It wasn't Matthew who picked her up. So when I started the investigation, when I first heard about Matthew and how he carpooled with Nancy and the level of their relationship and friendship, I obviously wanted to speak with him. Matthew shared with Detective Haller when interviewed how they attended a function at the Posse Hall in Little Rock on Saturday night, February 28th, 2009. This would have been a week before Nancy went missing. Matthew stated a co-worker was performing in his band and how Matthew and his wife and Nancy went. Matthew said he and others met Nancy at the Posse Hall around 9.30 p.m. And from there, they went to a place called Ballyhoo's located in Tumwater, Washington. During the transition of locations, Nancy joined Matthew and his wife and left her car at the Posse Hall. While at Ballyhoo's, a male came up to Nancy and struck a conversation with her. Nancy and this gentleman hit it off and stepped outside to smoke a cigarette. That's when Matthew states that Nancy shared her number with this male. It was time to leave. Matthew and his wife asked Nancy to come home with them, and reluctantly, Matthew told the male it was okay for him to join them by meeting up at Matthew's residence. So now, Nancy gets in this gentleman's car and follows Matthew and his wife back to their residence. Now that they're at Matthew's house, the group eats some food and just hang out. After some time goes by, Nancy and Matthew step outside to have a smoke. And that's when Nancy shares with Matthew that this male is making her feel creeped out. And while this is all happening, apparently Matthew's wife told the male that Nancy didn't want him to be around anymore and asked him to leave their residence. Now this male was interviewed and cleared as a suspect. He had an alibi and never saw Nancy again after that night, February 28th. Detective Haller did check this male's cell phone number and did not come across Nancy's house phone number. He was no longer a person of interest. So Matthew's testimony how March 6, 2009 went goes like this. Matthew was picked up by Nancy Friday morning. They carpooled to work together and at the end of the day, they head back to Tenino together. He says that on the way home, they discussed their weekend plans. Nancy said she was going to relax Friday night and I quote, maybe unplug the phone and chill out. I'm assuming this was kind of figure of speech coming from Nancy. I haven't heard whether or not the phone was actually unplugged. Matthew gets dropped off and that was the last time he ever saw her. So I started my search on social media and it wasn't hard to find him. So I sent him a Facebook message this past January. I told him how I was investigating Nancy's story and her disappearance and really wanted his help. But no response from Matthew. It wasn't long after that that I actually started subscribing to this website that allows me to search people's background information such as criminal background, your assets, your social media profiles, uh, your cell phone numbers, addresses. It's got a ton of stuff on there. Side note, it's not always accurate. 
So I took the number that Matthew owned under his profile and I sent him a text message. My message was asking if this was his cell phone. I got a response and it said, what are you trying to get in touch with him for? So I told them what I was doing and how I was trying to get in touch with Matthew. And that's when they said, as I don't know you, I cannot give you any information about Matthew. Thank you. I continued my investigation knowing things might change and Matthew might have a change in heart later. Well, in March, Matthew messaged me back on Facebook. He said, I am not interested in speaking publicly about Nancy. Thank you for keeping her story alive. Best of luck. I replied, hey Matt, thanks for getting back to me. Would you be willing to speak privately? Matthew replied, no, I'm not interested in participating in your project. Good luck. I replied to Matthew again, but I'll spare you of my pleading paragraph requesting his support. And Matthew hasn't gotten back to me since. Now, early on, Matthew wasn't someone who I originally suspected when all of this started. His reluctant willingness to help me was odd, but since he was checked off by Detective Haller and Elkins, I didn't put him at the top of my priority list. But during my first conversation with Aaron Huntley, he mentioned something that I found odd about Matthew and his feelings, well, towards Nancy. what's Aaron's perception going to look like? What are people going to think about, you know, Aaron? And I don't just treat it with you. I, I think about that. What are people going to think about Jim as I'm telling the story? What are people right. going to think about this William guy? Or, you know, even Matthew, her friend that drove her carpooled with her, you know? Yeah, and that, that was a tough one, too, because I think Matthew really liked her, but was married. I think Matthew liked her. I don't know that she liked Matthew, that quite that way but i think that he liked her really oh yeah wow that's the first time i've heard that well she she was adorable she was super sweet and and i i i i definitely think that yeah 100 percent i had heard rumblings even though they they there's no claim of uh sexual activity or misconduct there i think that i think that it would have become questionable Really? I, I think so. But so again, James, I mean I, I had my my nose to the ground in that building. There wasn't anybody I didn't know. There, I knew everybody. And it's not that I knew everything, but it worked with worked with everybody. It wasn't my intentions to just know everybody. I I was all over that building. Okay, so the thing about Aaron's feelings or intuition about Matthew's feelings towards Nancy doesn't come from a place of the jealous boyfriend. Remember, Aaron was the one who ended the relationship with Nancy. So when Aaron shared this about Matthew, I started doing some more digging around about him. One thing that I really want to know is, how did Matthew get to work on Monday, March 9th? I've been told that he would take a bus if Nancy couldn't drive, but I imagine there was some sort of communication confirming Nancy was going to pick him up or whether he needed to find his own ride. So did he try calling her Sunday? And if there was no contact and Matthew assumed Nancy would be there Monday morning, was he late for work? These are all legitimate questions I want to ask Matthew. And the case file that I have doesn't answer any of my questions. I came across an online post Matthew was blogging about when Nancy first went missing. And I find some of these posts to be a little odd, so I'm going to share them with you. Matthew writes, You should see the love around here. Someone brought in donuts on Friday when we got the stack of flyers. Sorry, I know you hate missing treat days. If it's any consolation, Debbie has been ready to make raised dips since Monday, but she said she'll wait because it's your favorite. Talk about loyalty. Seriously though, everyone's real worried and we're working real hard to find you. 
I need you to be strong for us and hang in there a little longer. I can't tell you how many people are pulling for you. Please be strong. We all miss you. Talk to you again soon. Matthew. Now, this blog has been taken down, but I've been able to find some of the posts. And he also continues by saying things like, there's a hole in my life and there's a hole in this office. Or, I can't give up. He even writes referring to her as nickname Nanny Momo. And like I said, unfortunately, this blog has been taken down. Now, I find Matthew's writing to be odd. I'm trying to be sympathetic. But if Nancy was out there at the time of Matthew's writing, I'm not sure she would be checking websites and reading blogs if the internet was available to her. But this could be just Matthew's way of expressing his concerns or feelings for his friend missing. But at the same time, the comments he makes kind of portray it to be as if his friend is out with the flu or just had surgery. Now, Matthew and his wife created a missing persons website for Nancy. On one hand, it's a very kind thing to do, and on the other hand, considering Matthew's blog and the words that he chooses to use, I just find it a bit odd. Now, I don't see in the case file that Matthew took a polygraph test. I do know that when detectives checked his whereabouts on March 6, Matthew's alibi was that he was with his wife and child. Now, I'm just asking people to keep in mind, if Nancy disappeared around 11.15, 11.30, people can sneak out without being caught. Take BTK for example. The guy was on a Boy Scout camping trip and slipped right out of the tent, went and murdered a girl, snuck right back into the tent and went back to sleep next to his son. I mean, it is possible for this to happen. So for kids to be your only alibi, unless you were up and awake with them at 11pm through 12am, there is always that possibility. But again, Matthew was apparently with his wife. So now, I've put it out there, Matthew, I want to talk to you. I sent him a courtesy message before this episode letting him know I wanted him to be able to set the record straight and answer any questions, but again, he didn't respond to my message on Facebook, which I know he saw and read. So I guess if I'm going to call Matthew out, I'm going to call everyone else out that I've been trying to get in contact with. Obviously Ron Evans does know I'm looking for him. I did reach back out to the property management company and now I know he does have my number and he knows I'm trying to contact him. So what I'll do is list the names of the individuals who I'm trying to contact. If you know them, please pass along my message. Tammy Frank, she used to work at the Department of Ecology. So real quickly, I want to say thank you to Anne, a friend of mine who got me the emails from the Department of Ecology. Now in those emails, there's some things I want to talk to her about and some other things Sharon and Bill both share with me about Tammy. Kathleen Anderson, she lives in Tanina from what I know. Carrie Rios, who also worked at the Department of Ecology and Nancy's ex-boyfriend who went by Cowboy Bill. Yeah, I know. That's not a lot of information to work off of. From what I know is he would hang out at the Red Barn a lot and that's how him and Nancy met up. But I guess you can see how difficult this process has been. So I'm going to wrap up today's episode letting you know that I got some major news that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. Next month we're going to be going to CrimeCon down in New Orleans. This event takes place June 7th through the 9th where I'll be joined by Sam and Bill Moyer, Maurice Godwin, and the newly assigned detective to Nancy's case, Detective Mickey Hamilton. CrimeCon has elected the Hide and Seek podcast to be featured at their event. Next month, on Saturday, June 8th, I will be doing a live podcast broadcasted to you at the event. This is when I'll share the big news. So, be sure to tune in, guys. I'm looking forward to sharing the great news with you. We'll talk to you next time. She's a roaming 
like a pagan searching places that I would never go destroy walls with endless walls but ain't no rock can stop me from getting I do appreciate what you're doing too. And like I said, I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think you've gotten some people to talk that even the detectives honestly, uh, had a hard time getting to talk. So I think you got a knack for this. But we didn't fly out that day. I know we didn't. But then when's the So I don't flight? even remember. <laughs> I honestly don't remember. I'm so frustrated. <laughs>